Radio. I'm going to focus on two main types of um, or character traits for salespeople, those that have a technical ability and those that have a natural ability. And what I mean by that is those that are technically capable of the service that they offer, um, irrespective of what it is, might be a solicitor, an accountant, or, or someone who has a deep technical knowledge of the thing that they do. They typically have a different sales process to those that are natural salespeople, the people that who are often described as having the gift of the gap. In terms of looking at it from a perspective of marketing and sales together, what I tend to find is when I'm talking to clients is those with a natural ability don't need a huge amount of support from marketing function because as long as they've got a telephone number or a means to contact a prospective client, they can pretty much crack on. Those with a technical ability and leading towards something that comes up quite often, which is, you know, people not following up on leads generated for marketing activity. People with a more technical view on the sales process need a little bit more information usually to get them into the flow of selling. What I mean by that is you might find that they're very good at explaining what it is that they do and doing what they do, but the actual selling of the thing is where they get stuck. So when you're looking at it from a marketing function, they really need a little bit more information from lead generation activity in order to get them into the sales process. They probably ask why a lot, or they might need a little bit more in-depth research. And what I think is really um, interesting here is if as a marketeer, you can provide them with a more detailed um, lead, something that explains perhaps client requirements or takes them a little bit deeper into the fact find process you'll be able to get them moving on those leads a lot better and when you're trying to figure out yourself what type of salesperson have you got in front of you those who struggle with the closing part of the sales process typically and this isn't everybody but typically they are more technical they'll do very in-depth proposals and most of their correspondence will be in writing just because of the fact that the description of what it is that they do is where the sale comes from, rather than the car salesman's view of, you know, pushing something onto them, which in fairness in the modern world doesn't really work these days. Those with a natural ability don't need a lot at all, as I've said. Generally speaking, just a telephone number will probably give them enough to go on. I know personally, if someone gives me a telephone number and says, I've told them that they want to talk to you, I'll just pick up the phone and talk to them because I have a natural ability to have conversations with people and find out what they want. It comes over the course of time and failing a lot, but generally speaking, an open and honest conversation will get most that you want. So that's really what I want you to think about the two types of salespeople throughout the course of, um, what I'm talking about today and seeing how that fits with any marketing activity that that supports that. And I think what you'll find is if you meet with salespeople on a one-to-one -one basis, be it that they're a client that you're providing marketing services to or part of an integral uh, sales team, when you actually sit down and talk to them and understand a little bit about their sales style, you'll be able to support them better. So moving on then to types of sales activity, and within mind, not following up on leads being a critical thing that, that's often, I guess, the disconnect between sales and marketing. Um, it's interesting when you look at the different types of brain activity required in the three areas of sales activity, which I break down into research, lead generation, 
and prospecting. All three of those things tend to require a different brain function or thought process. Some's more analytical, some are more creative, two different sides of the brain. And when I'm talking around productivity in the sales process, I get people to block time out for each one of those activities because they are inherently different. If you try and do all three at once, you'll tend to fall over unless you're very, very well versed in sales and have a complete and utter natural ability to just take a phone number, look on a website and crack on with the process. So in terms of marketing support for research, again, someone with more technical ability will like more in-depth research. So when you're conducting surveys or doing work online in social media um, forums, trying to get more information from the research element will help support that lead generation and help people get going with the sales process. In terms of what that is, that's very much an analytical sort of function. And what I say to people, generally speaking, is do that on a Monday morning or in a time where you're off stage, so to speak, as a salesperson. So you can really get completely lost in the rabbit hole, get all the information that you need and have it available in front of you to then go on into the next part of the process, which typically tends to be for me on the telephone. With regards to lead generation, lead generation is, it's a strange one because there's so many companies out there that offer lead generation as a service. And being someone who spends a lot of his time on the telephone talking to new clients and prospecting for other people, there's no better information that you can gather than data that you have cleansed yourself. So as a salesperson, if I know that John is the right person to talk to at ABC Limited, that's great for me. So as a marketing function, if you can support that one key piece of finding out who the right person is at your prospective new client, that will take so much time away from the actual sales process because that is generally the hardest part, finding the right person and talking to the right person. So my question there is, what can you do as a marketing function to support that really key piece of information gathering? Who do we need to talk to? When do we need to talk to them? And ideally, what do we need to talk to them about? That is lead generation 101. I tend to do it on the telephone and simply ask the question because if the company themselves have told you who the right person to talk to is, when the best time to talk to them is, and what to talk to them about is, chances are you're going to be in a position to get through to them very quickly to then go into the real meaty part of the sales process. As far as uh, prospecting goes, I break that down into various steps. Generally, I won't do that today, but prospecting, the difference with prospecting for me is that you are having a conversation with someone that you know has the needs, means and authority to deal with you and or your product or service. And you're having a more in-depth conversation about the service that you offer. Now, one thing that I find quite interesting between sales and marketing is um the, the takeaway or, or the brochure element of um, what you do. Because as a salesperson on the telephone, having a good conversation with anybody, you always like to leave them with something. And invariably, the documents produced out of a marketing team will be beautiful and filled with great information, but not necessarily the right information to support the conversation that you're having with the client.
And this is, again, where I think in terms of being better connected with the sales team, understanding that each part of the sales conversation may require different documentation and and producing something to support that. Generally speaking, first call with a prospect, I would say a one or two page document that outlines the, the key services, but absolutely doesn't sell anything in the document, will support the function. All we're trying to do there is create questions in conversation. I've got a client at the moment that I'm working with on a project for Outbound, and we're putting together a simple one page PDF to support those telephone calls because the actual service that they offer is very technical and could go into a full-blown white paper very easily. Um, But that doesn't really work in terms of just capturing information. And again, to support the sales team, the less information in this instance is generally better. In summary, there's three different types of sales activity and they are research, lead generation and prospecting. And what you can do in each one of those things is different to support the sales people, either that you work for, work with, or that are clients of yours. One thing that I think is very important to ask as a person in a marketing function is how can I help and understand what the struggles of the salesperson are, particularly focusing around those two different types of salespeople. Now, the actual sales process. It's something that I have um, enjoyed thinking about for the longest time and wondering why things work and don't work. And I've broken it down into five very easy steps, which I'm going to explain to you in the hope that understanding a little bit about the front line of sales, you can then come up with some ideas on how best to support that. We've covered it off in a little bit of what I said earlier, but finding the right person is definitely the longest part of the sales process. And that is the first piece of the puzzle. The way I typically do it is through two telephone calls. And I coach people on this that have their own businesses and want to get out there um, and get more clients. And what I simply say is find 10 people that you want to talk to and break the conversations with those 10 people down into two very simple phone calls. The first phone call is simply, I wonder if you can help me. But when someone answers the phone, all I suggest that they say is, I wonder if you can help me. Now, when you say, I wonder if you can help me, the person at the end of the phone has absolutely no idea who you are. But because of the way we are as humans, what you'll tend to find is you get a relatively positive response, something that sounds a little bit like, Oh, I'll try. And then you simply ask for the name of the person that deals with the thing that you do in the business. So as a commercial insurance broker, I would say, well, if you can help me, there would be a response. And then I'd say, just wondering who looks after the insurance for the business. Now, what you tend to find here is the people on the other end of the phone actually breathe a sigh of relief because the thing that you've asked them to help with is relatively straightforward. So they can actually help you because there's already been a contract agreed between the two parties on the telephone that they're going to try and help. So they might say, oh, yeah, that's John, John Smith. Take his email address and move on. That's quite easy to do 10 times over. And then my question to you there is how can you support that function to take it out of the sales process? Because you can take that part out of the sales process through effective marketing. The next part that I always suggest to people, particularly on outbound sales, when you make the phone call to the company, next time round, you're slightly more curt and you say first name, last name, then please. It's a corporate standard. We've all heard it before. John Smith, please putting you through now. What that does is it demonstrates an air of authority in the tone of the salesperson and allows them to get through to the person they want to talk to. 
again, as marketeers, how can you take that away from salesperson? Because that's the hard way of selling. It's a lot easier if John Smith is calling you and you're just answering a telephone call. That's all quite straightforward. Then we move into a slightly deeper in-depth conversation of getting the information that we need from the client, something I call killer questions. What five pieces of information could you as a salesperson or somebody in a marketing function obtain from your prospective client that allows you to offer a quote for your services or establish a need. I'll focus on insurance again, because it's the thing I know best. I would typically ask for the insurer, broker, the insurance renewal date and the price that they paid last year. That's relatively straightforward information. It might be slightly more technical in your business or for your clients. But ultimately what we're trying to do is obtain enough information that allows you to then go back to the client and make them say yes. I'll give you a little bit of time to think about that because we're not getting them to say yes to what you're offering. We're getting them to say yes to the things that they've already told you. So the fact-finding part of the sales process that I teach allows you to create questions in the next part of the process so that people will say yes three times before you ask them if they want to engage with you. In a marketing function, if that information can be obtained prior to the sales call, that we found out who the right person to talk to is, we know when to talk to them, and we've managed to establish their answers to our killer questions, the sales process is going to be so much shorter. And ultimately, a shorter sales cycle means you can do more sales, which means everybody wins because the function of both sales and marketing, I would argue, is absolutely the same. Brand awareness, client retention, client acquisition. So the purpose of both functions are the same, yet they tend to go about it in a slightly different way. So hopefully understanding a bit more around the process that frontline salespeople go through, you can come up with some ideas on how you can take part of that process into your function and allow us to do what we do best, which is just close a deal and make some money. Killer questions is a detailed um quite a long talk usually i'll um i'll open myself up to questions on that later on but typically some information around budget or cost is a requirement time scale is a requirement and the general overall need or what they expect because if you understand what the client's expecting even if you can't actually deliver on it if you can solve a problem in the front end of the sales process the rest of it, the recommendation bit that you do at the end of it is a lot easier. So moving then from fact finding into the next conversation that you're going to have with your prospective client, which I call the yes mantra, we're going to ask them three questions, which they answer yes to. And that puts them in the right mindset, because most people in a decision making capacity in a business, be them a director or a team lead or manager or any part of the operations function, probably make decisions on a minute by minute basis every single day that they're at work and will almost always default to know if they don't have enough information. So the goal of us as salespeople is to make sure that they have all the information and all of their questions around our product and service have already been answered or the needs have been demonstrated to have been met. So you told me that your insurance is due for renewal on the 1st of December. Is that right, John? Yes. You also told me that your insurance company is Allianz and you believe they offer you a good service. Is that right, John? Yes. And you told me that if I was going to go out to market, it had to be one of these three insurers and the price had to be below £10,000. Is that right, John? Yes. Once we've got yes three times out of the client, they've basically told us that everything that we're going to do now is exactly what they asked for. Then we present our quote or our 
um, brochure or service proposal. And we give it to them and say, well, based on that, what I've done is I've got your insurance ready to renew on the 1st of December. And I've got you a company that you asked for within budget. Does that all look all right, John? Chances are, because he said yes three times already, he's going to say something positive. He might not say yes, but he will say something positive like, oh, that's great, or thanks very much, or I'll have a look at it. But what you've done there is you've taken away his need to look absolutely in detail at the key points. So again, as a marketing function, how can you support the delivery of those yes mantra questions by way of supporting documentation in the proposal or... Um, a quotation document or letters or whatever it is that um, your client or company has to issue firm services. One thing I find quite interesting is agencies, one that I work with in particular, tend to issue quite long proposal documents that are very flashy and, and cover a myriad of topics around what they do and how they do it and this, that and the other. But the simple fact is, as a salesperson, all I need to demonstrate is that I can do a good job that I have some experience in the sector and that I've hit these three key points. So short and sweet tends to be the best way and anything else have as a supporting document as an attachment. So we've gone through all of this and now we're at the point where we need to figure out whether or not that the client wants to proceed with this. This is something I call talking past the point of sale because there is a big problem be symbolized with a big X, the contract signing or the agreement. Now, those with a natural sales ability they tend to just breeze through this, not realizing what they're doing, but they understand that that's the key point and they will apply pressure in the ways that they know to get the outcome that they want. People which have a more technical sales ability, i.e. they're better at explaining what they do, they get stuck here. And it happens very often with business owners of small businesses that are good at the thing that they do, but aren't inherently salespeople. And here is where I think you can add some value in terms of a marketing function because supporting the um, process of talking past the point of sale with follow-up documentation and literature that explains how your service is delivered can be very, very, very useful. What I mean by talking past the point of sale is we've got the description of what you do over here and then doing it over here. And then the big X in the middle is where we sign the contract or we make a payment. The best way to get past that is to completely ignore it because everyone thinks from a sales perspective that aren't um, clued up with this process, that that's where we have to stop the process. But actually, if you were a technically able salesperson, you're better off display explaining service delivery because that's the thing that you're good at. So what I always recommend is making the point of contracting a formality, a piece of administration that just needs to happen. Because we've already had the client say yes to us three times and give us a positive response to the quote. So what we say then is something along the lines of, okay, John, well, look, if you're happy with all of that, let me explain what happens next. And then you go through explaining the process. For me, it might be, I'm going to send you a formal quotation document. I just need to respond to that with, yes, please, I'd like to proceed. Once you've done that, I'll get instructors off to insurers. I'll set you up on the system. I'll make sure that you have a team in support that you can call any time of day if you have any issues. And then you get some documentation through from us and an invoice. That's due within 14 days. You don't have to do anything. Just send me that email that says, yes, I'd like to go ahead. And then we're good to go. Does that sound good to you? Making the work that we do as salespeople sound more than that of the client makes this process easier. And if you can demonstrate it with some form of visuals in the process and the follow-up documentation, this is what's going to happen next. That will, again, make 
a salesperson's life a lot easier and make them feel closer to you as a marketing function because you understand that that's the hard bit of what we do. But finally, and this is where I think a lot of people fall down that come talk to me, the follow-up the after sales. And some people may argue that marketing finishes at the point of lead generation, but really it's a lot easier to keep a client than it is to find a new one. So the after sales and the follow-up should really be a huge part of your activity. So here's the thing. People with natural sales ability tend to focus on what's coming in at the front end and they get very excited about it and they'll work with it and they'll go through it. And once the deal's closed, they'll move on. Those with the technical ability can sometimes get themselves bogged down in the nitty gritty of the actual service delivery delivery but if you can set up systems and processes in your business or for your clients or with your sales team so that there is an automatic follow-up to the sale whatever it might be and it doesn't have to be anything more than a quick email saying did you like what we do um what you'll find is it works twofold first of all the client will stay on a bit of a high because the point at which we obtain a new client is when they like us the most And that tends to drift off over the course of time, generally speaking, unless you're very proactive in your account management. And one thing that people always miss with this is when a client is elated by what you've done for them, that's the best time to ask if they know anyone else that might want to do what you do. And if you can support that process, particularly for those that are more technical, because they wouldn't generally ask for it, if you can, as a marketing team or a marketing function, ask the client to make a recommendation, all of a sudden, you've got an advocate for your business already. Everyone knows that word of mouth referrals are generally the best in terms of going into the sales process because they'll explain most of what you do to your client already. And from there, you can just go back to the start because you've got a pre-qualified lead that already understands what you do and you can drop them straight back into the process. So that's the main main part of the sales process in, in very brief detail. Find the right person, get them to answer some key information points, some killer questions around fact-finding what you do. Apply the yes mantra, make the client say yes to three simple questions first before presenting what you have to offer. Talk past the point of sale, go straight into service delivery. Contracting is not a big deal and payment's not a big deal if they've already said yes to the things that they wanted. And then very, very key point, follow up with customer service that confirms that the expectations that they had at the point of contracting have been met and ask them if they have any referrals for you for more business and that in part is as easy as it needs to be there's no real more complications to that so i think that's about as much as i could manage thank you mike absolutely amazing i've made five pages of notes i think and it has been mind-blowing really thank you so much just nothing nothing different from what i'm i'm used to with you